0: Father, we we recognize uh, we have a need for you. Uh, Father, we recognize that you are with us here right now. Father, we uh, I recognize that I'm a broken man uh, seeking to proclaim a perfect word. Uh, proclaim your perfect word, God. You're good to us. You love us. You care for us, Father. Wherever. Uh, we are, wherever we come in today, we, Father, we pray that we would just sit at your feet, that we would prepare our hearts to hear God's word, the truth that is in your word. Father, it gives us life. Father, we pray that we would come knowing that and believing that. Father, we need your help. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Well, good morning. If you're here for the first time, uh, or if you're with us online, know that we're glad you're here with us today. Um, we're going to jump right in. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3. We've been working through the book of Philippians. You know, it's a great book uh, written by the Apostle Paul as he's in jail seeking to encourage, you know, a fairly uh, new church, a fairly young church in a town called Philippi. I know there's several things that he brings up throughout this uh, letter in the book of Philippians, uh, but what can't be missed in the book of Philippians is the concept of joy. You know, this word uh, joy or rejoice, it comes up almost every passage, uh, which is why we've titled our series, Living in Joy. However, that said, uh, in our text today, neither joy nor rejoicing are mentioned. Don't worry, though, uh, we are still called to rejoice uh, with joy because uh, although it's not, uh, mentioned our passage. It, it has, uh, it's, it's on the bookends of our text. You know, Paul said at the beginning of chapter 3 that we saw last week, he's saying, finally my brothers rejoice in the Lord. And then we'll see next week, uh, immediately following our passage today, it says uh, in chapter 4, uh, at the very beginning of chapter 4, it says rejoice. And today's passage is a continuation from last week. And so yes, uh, we're still called to rejoice. But something we haven't talked about at length Uh, but is also throughout the book of Philippians is the concept of endurance and pressing on the idea of moving forward and advancing. We've talked about it at length with Paul's uh, expression and desire to advance the gospel. And, and, and said, uh, he said in this letter repeated, uh, repeatedly uh, of, you know, we see it over and over of running and pressing on. We saw in Philippians 2, verse 16, uh, with Paul encouraging the church to hold fast to the word of life, to, to be in God's word so, they know, may know, so that they may know God. Uh, and then he says, so that I may be proud and did not run in vain. And so he's equating his life in ministry of the gospel to running. And so that we'll see, that's what we'll see today. Is it the Christian? Uh, We as Christians, we are called to run. And no, I'm not talking about running for exercise, okay? Uh, I'm talking about running the race of the Christian life. Uh, Paul uses this metaphor of running often. The author of Hebrews also uses it. Uh, In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, a common verse that we hear often. It says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so that's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. That's what our text gets at today. Running, running the race of the Christian life, ultimately running to Jesus, to becoming more like Jesus, to grow in maturity, to be like Jesus, to grow in our knowledge and understanding and growing in our intimacy with Jesus, which leads us to our main idea for today, which is joy is found in running to Jesus. And as we think about this idea of running, you know, a race, or are several things that we'll see today that will help us run with endurance, to keep going, to press on. I've shared this with you guys uh, several times maybe, uh, but I have a love-hate relationship with running. I sometimes enjoy it, uh, but it, will take, it takes a while for me to get there. Um, running when you're not in good running shape, it's not fun, uh, and neither is running when it's hot outside. Uh, it's just not fun. But I will say, Uh, Most people who run often, maybe a few times a week, they tend to enjoy it Uh, because there are endorphins that uh, are released when you run. It's a great way to relieve stress and anxiety. Um, Exercise is good for your uh, mental and emotional health, but it's something you have to work towards. You have to build up endurance, and oftentimes you have to push past the desire to stop or quit. You have to press on and push through. Uh, You know, I'm more of a, a seasonal runner myself, uh, I'm not terrible, uh, not great at running, just kind of average. You know, I ran cross country in high school. It was more of a club than a team. Um, you know, anybody, everybody made the team. Uh, I did it more for social reasons, you know, so I could play ultimate frisbee the, the days before the race. So I could go to those carbo loads that they had the night before the race. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was one of the slower runners, but I was one of the best eaters on the team. Um, that's just kind of where I was. You know, I've, I've, done a, I've done one half marathon in my life. You know, Kelly and I, uh, we ran it together. And my wife, Kelly, she runs a lot. She's pretty good at it. Um, we're a pretty competitive couple. I only run races I think I can win, which is why she's run five or six half marathons and I've only run one. Um, you know, I beat my wife that one time and I called it quits. Uh, I had enough. Uh, I had to end while I was on top. Although she claims the reason I beat her was because she was running with her friend that race. Um, and so I just quit. You know, I was, I'm, I'm done. I'm on top. i got to end where I am. And so what this means um, is that I know just enough about running to be really impressed by people who are really good at it. For example, last year a guy set a world record. Uh, for a marathon, which, and it was under, he ran it under two hours. Uh, just to put that in perspective, he ran it in a sub-five-minute a sub pace. Uh, I'm not even sure I can sprint that fast. Uh, and then uh, I saw in 2018, where an 85-year-old lady, she ran in the Boston Marathon in near-freezing temperatures, and she used a trash bag uh, to cover her from the wind and the rain. That's just grandma goals right there. That's just what that is. Now you know, this, this last one is kind of crazy. Um, I saw where the longest race in the world is 3,100 miles, okay? Uh, There are only a few people in the world who have ever finished the race. Uh, Maybe one was Forrest Gump. I don't know. But again, to put this into perspective, that's about 60 miles every day to complete it, Uh, running from 6 a.m. to midnight every day for 52 days straight. Uh, That's 18 hours every day of running. That's 1,005 Ks. It's over two marathons per day that you have to run. And so yes, these are physically impressive tasks. I'm, I'm physically impressed with the, what they do. That's, that's impressive. But I'm also impressed by the mental and emotional strength with these, uh, the day in and the day out training to be able to push through pain and press on for them to finish their goal. It's impressive. And this is why Paul compares the Christian life to running. Because there is a call to press on and push through and stay focused and keep going, realizing that there is something great at the finish line. And so that said, we're going to be uh, in Philippians 3, uh, verses 12 to 21. And we're going to look at this a few lines at a time. And in doing so, we're going to see six things that will help us run in the Christian life. I guess we could say we've got six running tips from our coach, the Apostle Paul. So, I'm going to give each one as we go. And so, that said, let's look at uh, verse 12 and 13 first. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So, I want to stop here for a second and point something out before we get into our six running tips for today. You know, Paul said, uh, Not that I have already obtained this, uh, which leads us to ask, What is this? Uh, what is he seeking to obtain? Well, he doesn't clarify. Um, if you remember from last week, Paul emphasized the incredible gain of Jesus that comes through faith. Uh, in verse 10, uh, which is a few, pass- a few verses before our passage, he said, uh, that I may know him in the power of the resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And he said that he may know him. That he seeks to become like him. Specifically in his sufferings is what he clarified. Uh, And then he says that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. You know, one translation, uh, the NIV says uh, in verse 12, it says, not that I've already obtained all of this. Uh, Kind of clumping all of these things together, uh, making it an all-inclusive statement. But that said, I think it would be fair to say that the, this in this passage that he's referring to is, is, is kind of like a full knowledge of Jesus. The idea of, of obtaining a full, uh, mat- full Christian maturity. But regardless, uh, what most commentators say here is that the emphasis is not on what he's obtained, but rather it's on uh, it's that he recognizes his spiritual journey is incomplete, that he's got room for growth, that he has not arrived uh, which shows Paul's incredibly, incredible humility, leading us to our first point. Number one: run with humility. As we saw uh, last week, Paul listed off his great résumé uh, earlier in chapter three, and then he called it, he called it all a loss compared to knowing Christ. And then you see Paul's incredible longing to fully know Christ and be fully mature in Christ. And the apostle Paul, you know, spiritual giant, you know, a guy that he wrote almost half of the New Testament. And he says, I haven't obtained this. Paul knows he's not perfect. Paul recognizes that he's got room for growth. And this is, this is true Christian leadership. Leadership is not lordship. Christian leadership is recognizing that you're not perfect, following Jesus, who is perfect, and then bringing others along with you. And that's what Paul is doing here. Do you know what happens uh, in our hearts and our minds uh, when we realize we haven't uh, arrived? <laughs> well, our view of others change. We become less critical and less prideful and less haughty because you know why? We realize we all need to grow. Instead of f- fighting to be right and pointing out everyone else's blind spots, we look uh, at the blind spots in our own life and saying, instead of saying to everyone else, you need to clean yourself up, you'll say, man, I messed up too. Uh, let's, let's try and fix this together. Let's do this together. But you know what you'll want to do? You'll both together want to run to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because you both realize your brokenness, and we both realize uh, our, our, our need for, outside, uh, for help outside of ourselves. And it's no surprise that the first thing that pushes us to run to Jesus is starting with humility. Because if we run with pride, we likely won't run to Jesus. If we run with pride, we'll likely run to self-righteousness, we'll run to our own strength, we'll run to the world, we'll run to worry, we'll run to angst, we'll run to sin like substance abuse, excessive spending, or fleshly desires. Listen, if you're struggling to delight in the gospel, delighting in Jesus, maybe ask yourself, have have we humbled ourselves before the Lord? Have you taken time, uh, have we taken time to confess our sin, to search out our own hearts, not to dwell on our sin, but to confess our sin, And to cry out to God for help. Because when we realize our sin and we realize our lowliness before God and our extreme need for Jesus, if we know Jesus, we will want to run to him, thirsting for the good news of the gospel. Because those who find themselves in a lowly, humble state, just like Paul did, will run sprinting to Jesus. Saying as Paul said in verse 13, But one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I love this. Paul says, uh, just this one thing. He makes it really simple for us, right? If if you're striving for Christian maturity, if you're fighting to know God with both knowledge and intimacy, Paul says, do this one thing, which actually ends up being a lot of things. Uh, But he says, forget what's behind you and run. (laughs) Run, run with joy. This is not like a a jogging running or like an easy stroll. This is an all out sprint. He says, straining forward to what lies ahead. I mean, just think Usain Bolt, sprinting to the finish line with everything you've got, which is to our next two points. Uh, But we'll start with the second point here. Number two, run without hindrance. Paul says, forget what's behind you. In essence, leave it behind. Don't let your past weigh you down. Christian hear that today. If you're not a Christian, this is good news. Because if you believe in Jesus, you can leave your past behind you and you can run into a new life. Our past does not weigh us down. Good competitive runners, they don't look back, they keep their eye on the finish line. They look straight ahead and they run. That word, forget. It also means to, to neglect or overlook or, or care nothing about. And in, es- in essence, like take it out of your mind, erase it out of your mind. Uh, this is both failures and successes because both can be a hindrance. This, this doesn't mean we don't deal with our past, ignore it and kind of sweep it under the rug. No, we deal with it. We re- repent of our wrong and then we run. But then with our successes, we must realize they can also be a hindrance. You know, in a lot of ways, success uh, can give us confidence uh, to keep us running harder, but it can also be a hindrance. You know, if we're constantly looking back to the good old days or constantly comparing to the past, uh, maybe in ministry or maybe in some sort of personal growth and maturity and comparing it to our rate of growth now uh, to the past, we may become disheartened. Or maybe uh, if we might just become satisfied with where we are and lose our hunger uh, to strain and run and grow and to continue to mature, uh, and we become just stagnant. Paul says, no, no, forget that too. Forget what's behind you. Forget your failures. Forget your successes and run. We can run to Jesus without hindrance because in the gospel, because of the work of the cross, Jesus dying in our place and being raised from the dead because of this, Jesus takes our burden off of us It's off of us. And he puts it onto himself. This is the gospel. He takes our burden so that we can run. And because our burden was removed at the cross, we can run to Jesus without hindrance. As he says in verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Seeing that we can, number three, run with zeal. We can run with zeal. When we forget what's behind us, when our burden has been lifted, we can strain and run zealously to Jesus, free and without hindrance. If we do not have the gospel, we cannot run in zeal because the weight of this world is too heavy. The rules are too hard. We fall, we fail too easily and we sin too quickly. But Paul says to that, no, run. Don't lollygag, run. I have no idea what's weighing you down today. Maybe it's the burden of your job. Maybe it's the burden of school. Maybe it's the family, your family situation is difficult. Maybe it's the political climate or the constant negativity of the news and social media that's bearing down on you. Or maybe it's the stress of finances or the frustration with COVID. Or maybe you're just mentally, physically and emotionally exhausted. I have no idea what it may be for you, but I want you to hear this today. Whatever is weighing you down, Hear this today, that Jesus is in the business of bearing your burden. Hear that. Jesus is sufficient for you. The cross is sufficient. Jesus is calling us, all of us, to lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross and run. Again, it's not to say that we ignore our problems or even say our problems will be solved. No, not at all. We deal with them, we use wisdom, we work diligently. But at the end of the day, if we can say, as Paul said, we have gained Christ. If we can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we have Jesus Christ, we have been given access to the one who carries our burdens so that we can run. And you know what often looks like this straining and this running as we become more like Jesus? it often starts with just one thing, just like Paul said. Paul says in verse 13, Paul kept it simple. It was just one thing. It was don't look back and run. That's what he said, just this one thing. And so a simple question for us to ask, what's one change you can make this week that will help you run? What's one thing, one simple thing? What's one thing that is weighing you down that you can get rid of maybe this week? What's one thing that you can start doing that will fuel you better to run? If we have too many things going on, trying to change all these things at once, we'll we'll change nothing. So start with just one thing. You know, David Pallison, a Christian counselor, has noted, uh, change in one area may affect every area of our life. It's that idea that uh, simple and small disciplines will lead to greater overall discipline. And so don't underestimate the power of making one very simple change in your life. So let's let's keep going. Look at verse 14, 15, and 16. Paul says in verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, we're kind of seeing a lot of similar language here that says, press on towards the goal. There's a prize and the prize is Jesus Christ. And then he continues to clarify this even more saying uh, in verse 15, let us those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Showing us yet again that Christian maturity is equated to humility. It's, it's equated to understanding our need for growth. That it's essential. Humility is essential to our growth. If we, if we think we need, if we don't think we need to grow, it's simple. We will not grow. Because those who are mature, as Paul points out, realize no. I need to keep growing. By no means have I arrived. I've got so much to learn. I need to keep running to Jesus. This race is not over. As that said, I want to to transition here and point to something that we see in these past three verses. Um, And it's that he has moved, Paul's moved from using himself as an example, and he's starting to move to us, like us language. Before he was using I and me language. I don't know if you picked up on that saying that I have already obtained this, saying I press on, Christ has made me his own. That that was the language that he used. Now transitioning and saying, let those of us who are mature, saying let us hold true to what we've obtained. And then he says in verse 17, brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You know, he's, Paul's showing, Uh, his level of intimacy here by saying brothers, right? Showing that he cares for those people. And then he says, join in imitating me. Follow my example. In essence saying, as I run to Jesus, run with me. Keep up. Showing our next point, number four, run with others. Paul said, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Essentially saying, if you're a Christian, find someone who's running after Jesus and go run with that person. If they're not running to Jesus, then you're running with the wrong person. You've got the wrong running partner. And I've, I've learned this the hard way. When it comes to physical running, I'm a, I'm a terrible running partner. Um, I'm, I'm just bad at keeping the same pace. I always, always, not always, most of the time start off too fast. I then kind of taper off. Um, if I don't know where I'm going, you know, sometimes I can be a little directionally challenged. Uh, sometimes someone tells me, uh, they'll tell me the directions And y'all, there's a really good chance. I'll just go the wrong, I'll just go the wrong way. Even if they tell me, Um, this is a real problem. And so I've, when I've, what I've learned, when I run or in a race, I'm in a race with a bunch of people, do you know what I do? I find out who knows where they're going, who's done this before. And then I go follow that person. You know, several, several years ago, me and my wife, um, I got into trail running. my, My wife did too. And sometimes these trails are marked and sometimes they're not. And in the fall, in the woods specifically, in North Carolina, it's it's really easy to get lost. You know, it's really easy to kind of uh, sprain your ankle or twist your ankle uh, on the roots. And and so what did I do? Well, I used my strategy and I brought my wife to run in the woods with me uh, so we could get lost together. And if I twisted my ankle, you know, she could just kind of carry me through the woods. It was a great date idea, right? Just doing this all together. Um, You know, we never got lost, although there were several times we weren't sure of where we were. Uh, thankfully, we had each other to, uh, to check ourselves. You know, we kind of, we generally get this idea, right? That there's safety in numbers. If one person gets turned around, the other person can keep us on track. And here's the thing. The same thing is true in the Christian life. We need to run with others in the Christian life. We need each other. We have to keep each other on track. You all hear me loud and clear on this. We need each other. If you think you're alone, you're not. And if you feel alone, tell someone, we need each other. This is the Christian life. We're the body of Christ. We care for each other in good times, in hard times, in challenging times. uh, If we're going to run to Jesus, we're better and we run harder to Jesus together. And every single follower of Christ, we all need three relationships. Someone in front of you, someone beside you, and then someone following you. And so let me ask, who's, who's in front of you? Who are you learning from? Who's beside you? Who's your running partner, so to speak? And lastly, who's behind you? Who's following you? We need someone to run in front of us, beside us, and then someone to follow us. This is discipleship. Every single one of us needs this as we run to Jesus. We need to model humility to each other. We need to remind each other where we're running to not look back, to run with zeal, to keep going, to press on, to feast on the right things, to help each other lay aside our burdens and then to take them to the foot of the cross. This is the Christian life. This is the church. We run to Jesus together. As the church, we're to open our homes to one another. You know, as as one pastor said this week, we give each other uh, refrigerator privileges I know our house uh, and our homes are not just our safe places. Uh, They're to be a safe place for those around us as well. You know, our dinner tables are not just our family's dinner table. No, they're to be shared with our community. This is the Christian life, right? We we laugh together. We cry with each other and we forgive each other. When we talk about authentic relationships, like we do a lot here, it's one of our core values. This is what we mean, right? If our primary source of community if it's on social media, we are vastly mistaken. That's a problem. This is by far one of the greatest problems in our day. Yes, it's a tool. It's helpful. But if we're interacting with people more on social media than in, in person, we've made it. Our prime, we've made that our primary source of community. And this is not good. It's, it's not helpful for us. We were created for real life on life community. Uh, by no means am I anti-social media. Right? But what I am very aware of is there's a really good chance it's not helping us to run to Jesus. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. We need real, true, genuine, authentic relationships because we were created to run together. We were created to run in real life relationships across the dinner table type relationships. Walking through neighborhoods, at the ball field type relationships where we can see each other smile, where we can put our arms around each other and cry and just cut up and be silly right inside conversations all the while running together to Jesus. This is the Christian life, but it won't be easy. It won't be perfect. It will likely be messy, but it's better to be messy together than be a hot mess all by yourself, okay? That's just the way it is. If you don't have this, we want to help you find, find that here at New City Church. And it starts by getting into a city group. You know, as followers of Christ, we run side by side, following one another uh, and running together in joy to Jesus, because if we don't do this together, the world will easily distract us. Paul said earlier in Philippians 2, he said, we live in a twisted and crooked generation. And then we see here in verse 18 and 19, he says, for many whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Paul says that uh, there are some who walk as enemies of the cross. And he gives four clarifying statements on what that looks like. This is He says, those who are enemies of the cross, number one, their end is destruction. Number two, their God is their belly. Number three, their glory and their shame. And number four, their minds are set on earthly things. That's what we just read. Y'all, we don't have to go very far to find these things. Turn on any news channel, any social media feed, or go to almost any public space and you'll find this. We have so many distractions. We have so many things that cause us to lose focus that are trying to get our eye off the prize. And do you know why? Because our world does this. There are those who walk as enemies of the cross who are not running to the cross. And in turn, it causes us to lose focus, which brings us to our fifth running tip. Number five, run with focus. You know, my, my, my last semester of my senior year, I needed 10 credits to graduate, uh, which equated about three classes uh, and one extra credit, which was a, a lab, or oftentimes it would be a lab, but I didn't want to take a lab. I didn't have to. Who, who would want to do that, right? And so I took two regular classes, and I found a four-hour PE class. Uh, it was an elective, and it was a triathlon class. I thought, I'm able to run, right? I, I can ride a bike, uh, and I'm a pretty strong swimmer and I was getting married that summer, so I thought, hey, I'm in. Um, You know, well, I went through the class, you know, running and biking and swimming in a pool, right, all semester long, uh, you know, with the lines in the lane, um, having actual lanes in the pool. And then I signed up with some of my friends for a triathlon up in Virginia, you know, that summer. Um, Going into this triathlon, I thought, okay, swimming's my strength, right? this This is where I'm good. Uh, That was by far my best one. You know, I'm decent at the bike, not great, not terrible, uh, but kind of okay. And then I just got to finish the run. That was my strategy. Well, I got to the race. We got to the lake where we were going to swim to start the race. I was there, eager, ready to go. And they shot off the gunshot to start the race. And I ran, I dove in, and I dove right on top of someone, all right, that's just I, I, I swam right over them. Uh, then I got kicked in the face, uh, and then a dude swam right over me. I'm pretty sure I slapped at least five people on their back while we were swimming. Um, y'all, I almost drowned 15 yards into the swim. I'm not kidding. It was pure chaos. Well, after I gathered myself, I kind of put my head down, started swimming with great focus. You know, I'm moving. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, finally got a little space. I wasn't being kicked anymore. Uh, I wasn't being slapped. I was, I was really booking it, okay? I was really moving. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, a guy on a kayak <laughs> starts yelling at me. And I'm like, uh, he's like, sir, sir, swim towards the pole. <laughs> I look up, I was swimming in the complete wrong direction. Okay, everybody was swimming towards the pole and I was out in la-la land, booking it. And I was going a good 25 yards from everyone else, okay? Not paying a bit of attention to where I was going. This whole open water swim thing, uh, it was a whole new game. Right? I didn't have the lanes and the lines from the pool. You can't see down in the water, right? Uh, to keep me focused on where I was going. So I put my head down and I swam right back towards everybody else just to find myself slapping backs again, getting kicked in the face again. I look up and I'm in the complete other side of the crowd of swimmers at this point. Um, I'm about ready to quit because I've, I've gone from one side to the complete other side. Uh, and I, and, and call that, I was about to call that kayak guy to come get me, you know, just take me in, I'm done. Um, and I think, no, I can't quit. So I put my head down and I start swimming again just to hear that kayak guy yelling at me again, sir, 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 swim towards the pole. Well, I finally got what he's trying to tell me. Swim towards the pole, right? I get it. The pole. Uh, that's where I need to swim. Uh, that's where I need to keep my focus. Why? Because the pole, it doesn't move. The pole is steady. It's stable. It's sure. I don't, I, don't, if I, I don't need to swim towards the constantly moving crowd of swimmers that may even kick you in the face if you're not careful. No, swim towards that which does not move and is unchanging. Swim towards the pole. I need to keep my focus on that pole as I swim. So that's what I did, I finished the race. Didn't have a great time, but I finished. And so we need to ask ourselves, all right, what are the things that cause us to lose focus? What are the moving targets in our life that distract us from Jesus, from what is steady and sure and unmoving and unchanging? Well, it's the same things, it might be, it probably is the same things that distract those that walk as enemies of the cross. And so we're gonna go back and look at those four phrases. They're shocking statements. Paul uh, gave them intended to shock. And so if you feel a bit uncomfortable at any point along the way, know that you're on the right ride, okay? This first shocking statement, Paul says, their end is destruction. Uh, These are people who deny Jesus. They deny the cross, and as we know, the Bible speaks clearly on those who deny the cross and their end is destruction. And it's eternity a separate, It's an eternity separated from God. If we're not running towards our heavenly call, we're running with others whose end is destruction. To be very direct, we're either running towards heaven or running towards hell. And it's the cross of Christ, that's the deciding factor, that decides heaven or hell. That's shocking. And next he says, their God is their belly. Essentially getting it, uh, the pursuit of fleshly desires like food or sex or comfort. And thought, uh, the thought that if it makes me feel good, it must be right. And Paul says, no, this is a distraction. The only thing that will fully satisfy you is Jesus. Run to Jesus, focus on Jesus. Don't run to the desires of your flesh. No, run to Jesus. And then he says next, they glory in their shame which basically means uh, when they turn what is wrong or considered shameful into self-glory. Essentially like uh, just the idea of reveling in our own disobedience, finding hype and breaking the law and celebrating immorality. Instead of focusing on Jesus and running towards holiness, there is a celebration of sin. Don't run to sin, no, run to Jesus. And then lastly, he says, their minds are set on earthly things. This is is a big, all encompassing statement. Those who are enemies of the cross, they deny the cross, become focused on physical pleasures, celebrate immorality, and then become fixated on the ever changing world, fixated on stuff, fixated on social status, fixated on wealth or education or politics or the news. The list could go on and on and on. All of these are unstable, they're ever changing. There are so many things in our world that are not at all that are not all they're not all inherently bad, but when we become fixated on them, and not fixated on Jesus Christ who is unmoving, we've lost our focus. And you know what Paul says to all of this knowing there are people who are enemies of the cross, who don't run to Jesus, but rather they deny the cross and they run to Jesus and they run to their desires and they run to the world. He said to the Philippi church in verse 18, he said it brought him him to tears. Paul did not look at them with rage or prideful self-righteousness or condemnation. No, he mourned and he grieved and he cried with compassion. Why? Because he cared for those people. He loved them. Just like a parent's investment into a child, when you invest deeply into people pouring energy and hard work and grow to love them, and yet they become, when they become enemies of the cross, if they're enemies of the cross, the cross that we love so dearly and deeply that brought us salvation and hope and eternal joy, when those you love reject it, it leads you to tears. To see someone you love, not run to Jesus and in turn run to the world, it's heartbreaking. But yet this too is part of the Christian life. We're called to invest deeply, even if it will hurt, even if it will be painful, even if it leads you to tears. Why? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Day in and day out, we proclaim Jesus, but yet because of our sin, we daily lose focus, lose sight of where we're going, get kicked and we get slapped in the face. And in doing so, we live like enemies of the cross and it leads Jesus to tears. But yet may we not forget the good news of the gospel. Because of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, although we sometimes live like enemies of the cross because of our faith in the cross, we can proclaim as Jesus said in verse 12, Jesus has made me his own. This is such good news today. Although I sometimes live like an enemy of the cross and each of you sometimes live like an enemy of the cross because of our faith in Jesus, we don't run from the cross. No, we can run to the cross because there at the cross, Jesus has made us his own because at the cross, we are found in Jesus. Christian, hear that today. If you are in Christ, Jesus has made you his own. That's what the word tells us today. If your friend or family member or classmate has faith in Jesus, Jesus has made them his own. And knowing this and remembering this keeps us running and focused, even when it's hard and painful, even when we want to give up or we're getting kicked and slapped in the back. And as we think about these things that distract us and hinder us from running the race we're called to run, we must, rem- we must remember our race is not finished in this world. No, our finish line, it is in another world. Just as Paul says in verse 20 and 21, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. The very first thing he says to those who are enemies of the cross, uh, they keep their minds set on earthly things. He immediately says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We're living in this world, but we're running to the next. Bring us to our last point today. Number six, we run towards heaven. This is our race. We're running to the next world where we await a savior, where Jesus Christ awaits us, calling us and cheering us on. This is our upward call. This is our finish line because at our finish, finish line, listen to the greatness of verse 21. Paul says, we will be transformed. At our finish line, Jesus will take our lowly, broken, run down bodies, our messed up, scarred earthly bodies that we're doing our best to run the race set before us, and He will transform them to be like His glorious body. That's what it says. We will be transformed and be completely and entirely new. After we run the race of the Christian life, we won't go into recovery. We have to slowly recover from the race. We won't have aches and pains. We won't, need a massage. we won't need massage therapy. We won't need to sit in an ice bath or work towards some sort of recovery plan. No, we will be completely transformed and we will be made new. And how will we do it? We'll <laughs> do it by the power that enables him, by his sovereign power, as he says in verse 21, that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is where Paul is running. This is his finish line. Brothers and sisters, that's our finish line. Paul is in this life, but he is running and he is straining towards the next. Paul doesn't get caught up in the world. No, he lays it all aside. He takes off every weight and, uh, and hindrance and he runs and he sprints to the finish line. New City Church, this is why we do what we do. We exist here in Tampa so that we can see more people run across the finish line with us. So we can show people that are running in the wrong direction, that are chasing all the wrong things that we can say to them, come with us. Come run with us in joy as we run to Jesus. New City Church, this is our call. We can run in humility because we will one day be transformed, fully transformed. We can forget what's behind us and press on what's ahead with zeal because we know that what's ahead of us is Jesus waiting for us to make us new. Why? because we're his own. <laughs> we don't have to look back because God's full glory, knowing him fully, being with him in full intimacy is ahead of us because we're his. Jesus has made us his own. And when we know this, when we know what's ahead of us and we, ha- we have the privilege to run, to run with others beside us, leading us and following us, running together towards this end goal, what a privilege we have to run together towards our upward call as we help each other stay focused on where we're going, running and straining, putting away the distractions of the world, while we all together run towards heaven. Y'all, this is our call. This is the race that is set before us. When we run, we run towards the cross. We run towards Jesus. Jesus is always, always faithful. He's always stable and he is always sure. And Jesus does not move and he does not change. When we run, we need to run to Jesus. We don't run to the constantly moving target of financial success and security. Why? Because it will fail us. We don't run to the desires of our flesh because they will fail us. We don't run to relationships and school and works and politics and news. We don't even run to friends and family because they too will fail us. We don't run to our spouse, they will fail us. And you don't run to me, your pastor, because I too will fail you. No, you run to Jesus with me. We run to Jesus with our friends and our family and we go to work, we go to our classes, we do our homework and we do piles of laundry all the while remembering that we're in this world but we're running to the next. We have an incredible race to run. And I hope that you've heard today that we can run it in joy as we run to Jesus Christ, our stable, steadfast and eternally faithful, unmoving target. Let's pray. God, we need you. God, you are stable. God, you're steady. You're sure. God, you help us to run. You are running. You're running with us. God, Father, you fuel us to run, to keep running. Your Holy Spirit is inside of us if we profess faith in Christ. God, we, we need you. We need your help. Father, we trust you. For those of you here today, maybe watching online, if they, if they don't know this Jesus that we run to, we pray that they would find great hope in Jesus Christ. Father, we need you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.